verses 1 to 6. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his early life, was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you are also among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. This is the word of our Lord. In spite of our shortcomings and uh, failings and brokenness, I have great affection for this church and for you. It is always my great privilege and pleasure um, to serve you, especially on a Sunday, and to, to bring God's word. And look, these words uh, have been put together by our good friends at Crossover, the series that we're going through at the moment, but any time I have an opportunity to share God's words with you is a, a, something that I just delight in. Um, and uh, we had a leaders meeting here on Thursday night, and uh, it was just my heart is so full of joy and pride as I hear stories of things that are happening in the life of this church. Um, it gives me so much hope for, uh, for our present... <laughs> Because God is here now, and God is at work now, and I'm delighted in that, but I also have so much hope for our future. I think the future for Erina Community Baptist Church is very bright, and I'm excited to be a part of that. But as I look around here this morning, you know, I just, I see Mitchell sitting there with, you know, a, a Ferrari Testarossa, and I just go, I love this place. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's, there's so many things about this church that just really warm my heart. And I hope they do yours too. I really feel it's a privilege to be part of God's people here at Erina. God's people are special everywhere you go, um, but I really appreciate being part of this church family. So I think as a pastor, you know that you're called to your people um, when you love them, when you care for them, when you feel that that's a great privilege. And perhaps when that feeling starts to fade, maybe that's a sign that it's now, God's moving you somewhere else, I don't know, but I guess at the moment I feel very called here. And as I said at the start, in, in spite of the shortcomings and the brokenness and the disappointments and the frustrations and the things that you wish could be different, in spite of all of that, because that's, that's true of all of us and that's true of God's people everywhere, uh, I just really you know, have great affection for you guys and, and count it a real blessing to, uh, to be your pastor and um, Terry obviously got the, um, the call card this morning about, you know, the uniform. A great, great looking man. Navy pants, blue shirt, grey jacket. You know, I think we're really in sync. And uh, it's, 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 it, is, it is tremendous to have such a great colleague and, and ally in, in Pastor Terry. Uh, and I'm just thrilled to have, to have a, such a great man to serve alongside as well. And Lisa doing a great job with our kids. I feel really 
blessed with the team that we have here, uh, the staff team, but also, you know, the leadership team. So God is good. Can I just say a prayer of thankfulness? Because that's just how, as to my heart at the moment, is just full of thankfulness <laughs> to God for his people and his church here and the privilege of being a part of that. So let me just give thanks and, and pray. Father, we uh, come here this morning and I have this sermon, but uh, at the moment my heart is just feeling full of love and joy um, in the midst of your people here this morning. And I, I give you thanks for that. Lord, it's very obvious to me that you're here among us, that you're present um, in all kinds of ways. And uh, thank you for the really obvious ways, Lord, that you're working. And I think as Sarah prayed, you know, that the generosity, the outpouring of love yesterday is just such a, a tangible demonstration of people's hearts here. And that really encourages my heart. But Lord, I know that you're also working in, in really small Ways, kind of behind the scene ways, working your way into people's lives, bringing about renewal and transformation. And that too is a great joy to witness. Lord, we just come this morning recognizing that we are your people, that you are our Heavenly Father, that every good gift that we have is from your hand that none of us is better than the other, that none of us is more worthy than the other, that we are all equal before you and we are all broken, <laughs> sinful people um, desperately in need of a saviour. And we just thank you for Jesus and all that he has done to bring about life, both here and now, but also into eternity. And so, God, as we just continue to journey through this series, Surprise the World, I pray that this wouldn't just be an exercise in gathering more information. But, Lord, we pray that it would, in fact, be a series of habits that we as a people seriously and genuinely seek to engage with, that we might take the warmth and the love and the acceptance and the grace and the generosity and the friendship and the salvation and everything that we experience in you and those things that we share in and rejoice in together, that we might take that and learn to share it with others. Help us not to be selfish with your good gifts. Help us to be generous with your good gifts to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, who had the opportunity yesterday to, uh, to donate to the Salvos? <laughs> A few of us may have. Um, that was good to see, wasn't it? There was all kinds of collection points happening. And it's interesting because today's message starts off with an illustration of, of collecting money for the Salvation Army. So Mike Frost, uh, there was a situation where his local Salvation Army church was very low on, on, on people to collect and they were looking for volunteers and he happily volunteered to do some collecting in his local neighbourhood. And, uh, you know... 
he went to one house and knocked on the door of a man who was very warm and enthusiastic toward the Salvation Army and very willing and happy to make a generous donation. And he was explaining to Michael uh, what a difference the Salvation Army had actually made to his family as he was growing up as a boy. And, you know, he was just so grateful for all the work that they did. And, uh, you know, it was his great joy and delight to, to give generously to them. Uh, but then he went on to start questioning Michael about the Salvation Army, you know, what, what their philosophies are. And, uh, you know, some of the questions are, are you a church or a charity? Um, you're Christians, right? What exactly do you believe? Do you baptise people? Do you agree with same-sex marriage? Are you like the Southern Baptists or are you more like the Pentecostals? And much to Michael's embarrassment, the questions just kept coming. And, uh, you know, he's not a member of the Salvation Army, and he found himself unable to ask many of these questions. And the point of this story is, you know, we've been talking about uh, wanting to bless people and eat with people, but if we do those things and the questions start coming as to why are you doing this, <laughs> if our lives are indeed questionable, if our lives bring questions, um, then it's not much good having those questions unless we have some answers. <laughs> and Michael that day found himself being able to, not, not being able to answer those questions. And we don't want to find ourselves in a situation where we're blessing people and eating with people and a question arises and we're not prepared with a response. And so the series continues. A few weeks ago, Terry explained that the biblical model of evangelism involves a dual action of gifted evangelists being released uh, to preach and to share the word of God and the rest of us kind of getting on living questionable lives, lives that uh, illuminate the kingdom of God and, and bring about questions for people. But this only works... If those of us who are kind of getting on living the kingdom life uh, are prepared to be able to answer people's questions when they come through. And we now know through the McCrindle research on faith and belief that for Australians, conversations are the biggest prompts for people to start thinking about religion and spirituality. And that more than half of Australians, this is quite staggering, are open to changing their views and are open to exploring spirituality given the right circumstances and evidence. I think we have become so fearful and expectant that people will reject us, that people will reject the message of Jesus, that we've become too fearful to even raise it. But... You know, the reality is uh, that one in four Australians are warm to Christianity. Isn't that incredible? One in four Australians are warm towards Christianity. I think that, that, that should give us great encouragement. Great encouragement. So here are a few things for us as God's people to bear in mind as we think about how we might respond 
when those questions arise. You know, the assumption is that we're being generous people. The assumption is that we're going about blessing people, praying for people, looking for opportunities to eat with people as those opportunities present themselves and we make those opportunities happen. Here are some things to bear in mind as we go about the business of being God's ambassadors, his representatives here on earth. And the first thing is, don't preach the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. I like this. This is quite good. There's a joke about a pastor giving the children's message during church who asked the kids for the name of a little creature that lives in trees. He paused and there was no response. And eats nuts. Still no response. It's grey, has a long bushy tail and it jumps from branch to branch. Obviously an American pastor. And chatters and flips its tail when it's excited. Well, there was still no response. Finally, one little boy tentatively raised his hand. The pastor breathed a sigh of relief as he called upon him. Well, said the boy, it sure sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer must be Jesus. (laughs) You know, as funny as this is, when it comes to responding to people's questions... The answer is always Jesus. That is what we need to talk about. The church has often told Christians they need to preach the gospel when they get an opportunity to do so. But as Terry mentioned last couple of weeks ago, this can be very intimidating for many of us. The thought of having to preach the gospel sets fear into many of our hearts. What does it exactly mean to preach the gospel anyhow? Well, listen to the words of Paul in Romans 1 that Bob read to us. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul describes himself as set apart for the gospel, and then he goes on to explain what that gospel is. Listen as he continues. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. According to this passage, the gospel is the story of Jesus. His messianic credentials, his physical descent from David, his vindication and validation by the Spirit of God, his resurrection from the dead. In fact, every time Paul explains... His use of the term gospel, he does so by recounting the life of Jesus. If you read Paul's lengthy evangelistic sermon in Acts 13, 16 to 39, where he is literally preaching the gospel, the focus is on the events of Jesus' life, uh, his royal birth, his miracles, his teaching, his sacrificial death and his resurrection. And even when he doesn't have much space... To retell Jesus' story, he summarizes it as he does in Romans 1, 
Listen to his words in 2 Timothy 2.8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. According to Paul, the gospel isn't for spiritual laws or a bridge to life or two ways to live. It's about Jesus. His claim to the eternal throne promised by King David, his embodiment of the presence of God's kingdom, his invitation to enter the kingdom to enjoy its blessings and embrace its demands, his atonement for the sins of those who would otherwise be condemned at the consummation of the kingdom, his status as the risen Lord of the coming kingdom. Sometimes we feel as though when an opportunity arises, that might be it. And we kind of need to give people everything. I was really encouraged when I had Mike as a lecturer at college talk about the fact that we actually share the gospel with people over many conversations. And if you're telling people the story of Jesus, you're not going to tell them the entire content of that story in one sitting. You just share naturally bits and pieces about it. And over time, the gospel gets built and told. But my friends, the gospel is essentially the story of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but sharing stories of Jesus sounds more doable and accessible than preaching the gospel. Does it not? Do you get a sense of, I could do that? Because that's what I hope this series brings for you, a sense of, I can do that. That's what this is all about. So you can see that when I say don't preach the gospel, just tell them about Jesus. By telling them about Jesus, you'll be telling them the gospel. (laughs) We need to become so familiar with the stories of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that they roll off our tongue when we're having meals with people. And when we're hosting people and they ask us questions, why are you doing this? When we give $1,800 so that three women's lives in Ethiopia can be changed, we actually have a reason as to why we're doing that. Uh, You know, when we give money to the poor, when we bless people, when we volunteer our time for various organisations or we decide to use our annual leave to go on a a holiday and help with a disaster relief project. These are the kinds of things that God's people do. Michael Frost refers to us needing to be marinated in the Gospels so that we can share any part of the story of his life and teaching as appropriate. You know, there'll be different parables or stories or lessons from the life and example of Christ that are going to be more appropriate and poignant at different moments and times that we're conversing with people. And the better we know the stories of Jesus, the better prepared we'll be to share them. It's interesting in the McCrindle research that not only do we now know that one in four people in Australia are warm towards Christianity, we also now know that people are much more open to having a conversation about Jesus than they are about hearing uh, than they are about hearing the, about the church. In fact, talk of the church becomes a barrier 
because there's a lot of baggage that comes with church. But there isn't that same kind of baggage or barrier when it comes to talking about Jesus. And this is why the habits that we're talking about today of listening and learning are so important. And we'll come back to that shortly. So the first thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about how you're going to respond to people's questions is tell them about Jesus, don't preach the gospel. Secondly, when sharing with others about matters of faith, don't focus on their sin. Focus on Jesus' kingship. You'll notice that none of Paul's gospel sharing in Romans 1, in Acts 13, in 2 Timothy 2, focuses on telling people they're sinners. If there's anything all three of those passages focus on, it's the kingship of Jesus. When people ask you why you live as you do, your goal should not be to tell them they're a sinner. Your goal should be to tell them that you live as you do because your life has come under the reign and the rule of King Jesus. David Bosch writes, The mission of God's people is to alert others to the universal reign of God. It's such an encouraging thought that our God reigns and there's nothing that we can do to add to that. He reigns completely, entirely, all the time. It may not always look that way, but it's truth. And our role as believers is to share that reality, certainly in the way we live our lives, but also in the way we share. If we believe that Jesus reigns as king, if we believe his kingdom is a kingdom of reconciliation, of justice, of beauty, of wholeness, of love, of generosity, of acceptance of caring for one another, if we believe that God's kingdom is about restoring that which is broken, then we not only talk about those things, we live lives that reflect those values. We live lives that reflect that kingdom. We need to learn the stories of Jesus and how he went about living the kingdom how he went about living in that reality that God reigns entirely, completely. You know, when people ask us, why are you so committed to justice? We tell them about the kingdom of God and that in God's kingdom, there is no injustice. And so as someone who has submitted their life to the kingship and the rule of Jesus, I seek to live my life in ways that model the kingdom of God. That's why I'm so committed to justice. When people ask, why are we so loving or generous? We talk about God's kingdom. This is how God's kingdom rules for the Christian. And this is the challenge for us, being in and but not of the world. We can so easily become moulded into the world's kingdom and the world's ways and values, can't we? But when we start to live under the reign and rule of God and the kingdom of Jesus, then these things become very natural responses. Like, why wouldn't we get about being part of restoring that which is broken? Why would we not seek to bring justice to injustice? Why would we not seek to express beauty 
at every opportunity we get, all of these things point to God's kingdom of which we're a part and have submitted our lives to. Don't be discouraged that I said not to focus on people's sin. If you share Jesus well, it will lead people to question their own lives. In fact, in the Acts 13 sermon referred to earlier, it concludes this way. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So Paul does end up addressing people's sin, and obviously that's what separates us from God. But he starts with Jesus, and that's where we need to start too. Thirdly, don't focus on church. Focus on purpose. Theologian David Bosch once wrote, At its heart, the gospel is news about God's action and God's reign, not his institution. We often fall into the trap of wanting to tell everyone how great our church is. This is not a bad thing. But ultimately, the the gospel, the, the, the Bible calls us not to be recruitment officers for the church, but to be recruitment officers for Jesus and his kingdom. It's tempting when people ask us questions about the mistakes made by the church, the crusades, the sexual abuse of minors by priests. It's tempting not to feel as though somehow our job is to try and defend the church. But real gospel ministry is simply pointing people to Jesus. Instead of spruiking church programs or defending the actions of other Christians, try focusing on Jesus and how he has changed your life. Your personal story of how Jesus has changed your life is the greatest testimony you have it's not about how Jesus changed somebody else's life that your friend, neighbour work colleague, family member wants to hear about it's how Jesus changed your life and my life that matters that God took through Jesus our punishment because of Jesus we've been set free because of Jesus we have an example and a model and a way of life to live that Jesus conquers evil he brings forgiveness he defeats death that under God's reign there is a new social and political order and that all began with the resurrection we live in the light of the future and the power of the spirit our lives as believers as followers of Jesus have real purpose I've always found the purpose statement to be very helpful Following Jesus gives my life great purpose. I think there are so many people who don't have that same kind of purpose in their lives, just kind of existing, just kind of living from paycheck to paycheck, just chasing after the things of this world which are fleeting and fading. But to be able to focus on the purpose that Christ brings to our lives, I think is a wonderful testimony. And something that we each ought to be able to speak of. 
In Surprise the World, Frosty tells this story of meeting a group of hardcore surfing, surfing enthusiasts and asking them who their favourite surfer of all time was. And they said it was the Florida surfer Kelly Slater, who has been crowned the world surfing champion uh, record 11 times, including five consecutive times from 94 to 98. He was the youngest and the oldest to win the title. When Michael asked them more about Kelly Slater, they went bananas, inundating him with facts about Slater's life, where he grew up, what boards he uses, which years he won the titles, what movies and television shows he's appeared in, uh, which models and movie stars he's dated, and on and on. And he goes on to ask, what if I or a neighbour of yours were were to ask you, tell me... What do you know about Jesus? What would you say? Would you be able to respond with the same level of enthusiasm that those surfers responded about their hero, Kelly Slater? Michael concludes, When we live questionable lives, people should see our strange behaviour and ask us about our motivations And then we should be able to speak about Jesus the way surfers would speak about Kelly Slater, with energy and enthusiasm, with reverence and awe, with delight and wonder. Now, as you know, this series is called The Five Habits of Highly Missional People. Another word, or the root word for mission, missio, means sent. So five habits for people who see themselves as having been sent on a mission. And we each have, haven't we? Go into all the world and make disciples. And I am with you always. So the way that this works is God sent Jesus. Jesus sent his spirit. And Jesus sent his followers his disciples so we are all missionaries who have been sent that's the mindset we need to have and as we go about our lives as sent ones these are the habits that enable us to live that out so we've spoken about blessing blessing three people a week through words of affirmation through gifts or through practical deeds of service we've spoken about eating with people um, and a number of you I've had conversations with and I can understand that three meals sounds rather overwhelming and that's cool you know there's no pressure here it's simply about doing what you can do but it's the, the encouragement also was to rather than going to lots of extravagant um, work just invite people to share what you're already doing, if that makes sense. Or, you know, have lunch with someone. Like, you, you, we already eat lots of meals during the week. Um, but I think for many of us, even just engaging once a week or even once a month <laughs> could be a good start. So please don't get too overwhelmed or bogged down in how many times we, we eat with people. The idea is, as God's people... Uh, we've been welcomed to God's table, so let's kind of welcome others to our tables as a, a way of living questionable lives. That's, that's the heart of, of what that habit is about. Now, there are two other habits today that we've kind of been speaking about. And the first one is learning. 
um, learning Jesus. Now, if we're to be people who are going to share the story and the life of Jesus, we need to know the story and the life of Jesus. As Michael says, not just his greatest hits, you know, Christmas and Easter, a couple of parables, and, but we need to know the life and the teaching of Jesus inside out. The better we know the full breadth of the life and teaching of Jesus, you know, the more we'll be able to refer to this story or this parable or this example based on the situation we find ourselves on. So we need to develop a habit of learning Jesus. And the encouragement for us is to set aside one space of time during the week. Any time that works for you, just one space of time. We won't put a time limit on that. For some, it might be 20 minutes. For others, it might be longer. But whatever you can do at your stage of life, try and set aside one space of time per week to intentionally learn about Jesus. Um, now, this, is, this can be in addition to your regular Bible reading, and you might be part of a growth group, and that's all good. But this needs to be an intentional time where you commit yourself to learn about Jesus. And, you know, Michael uses this phrase, this language of being marinated in the gospel. So certainly one thing we do with that time is we, we read and we reread the gospels of Jesus. We just keep doing it as a habit, as a practice. If he is our king, if he is our model, if we are submitted to his kingship, then there never can be a time in our lives when we're not learning more about Jesus. We keep reading and rereading and saturating and marinating ourselves in the Gospels, becoming so familiar with Jesus, with his life, with his ways, with his teachings, that just like those surfers with Kelly Slater, we can just speak so freely and aptly about Jesus and quote Jesus. Jesus said this. Jesus did this. He's my model. He's my example. And there have been countless books written on the life of Jesus, many which would be very helpful for us to look at reading as well. There have been movies made about Jesus. You know, there are countless sermons on podcasts preached about Jesus. So the idea for us here is that we develop a habit once a week of setting aside some time to intentionally learn Jesus, learn about him, learn who he is, learn his stories and so forth, so that when those questions arise, it just comes out. The second habit is to do with listening. And this is so important. All of these habits fit together. None of them are kind of independent of one another. And I think the listening is particularly important. Listening to the Holy Spirit. And again, the encouragement is to try and create some space once a week to intentionally listen to the Spirit of God and what He might be saying to us, how He might be prompting us and encouraging us. Um, if we do this with the intention of living highly missional lives then the things that the Spirit might reveal to us during that time of listening could be, you know that conversation that you had earlier this week with that person? You know, 
insights might be given as to questions that we could have asked or answers that we could have given. Um, we might be encouraged. Wasn't That was so good that you spent that time and had that conversation. Um, or maybe, you know, remember that party that you went to? You could have stayed a bit longer. Or you could have left a bit earlier or whatever it might be. But as we're thinking about how we're engaging with people, as we spend time listening to the Spirit, we might have a sense that the Spirit is saying, that person or that family, invite them over for that meal. That's who I want you to eat with. These people are the people I want you to bless. This person would really love a call or some flowers or a visit or whatever it might be. I just want to encourage us, church, that it's not all about us having to figure this out. (laughs) We don't have to do it all. God is there with us. And I heard a great phrase yesterday, and that is that God is not opposed to effort. There's nothing wrong with putting the effort in. What God is opposed to is earning. So we don't do these things to earn God's favour, but there's nothing wrong with putting in good effort to share and to live missional lives. It's going to take effort. But we need to learn to listen to what the Spirit is saying and trust that we don't have to control this, that it's actually God's mission, that he's inviting us to be a part of that. And if we can submit ourselves intentionally to create some space just to listen. Now, for some of us, we'd already have that discipline and that would come very naturally. For others of us, that's hard to sit quietly with the intention of listening to the spirit and what he might be saying is a hard thing but there is so much noise in our world we need to learn to slow down to stop and to open our ears and our hearts to what the spirit of god is saying to us brothers and sisters i don't have all of this down i've got a long way to go we all do But here are some wonderful encouragements for us as God's people. And I truly believe that if we take the time and have the intention to bless people, to eat with people, to learn the stories of Jesus inside out and to take time intentionally to listen to the Spirit and to see ourselves as those who've been sent on God's mission, great things could happen. Great things will happen because God will be at work. He already is at work, but he wants to be far more involved and active in our lives. And he can only do that as we learn to put ourselves, place ourselves before him with an openness and an obedience. We're going to take a moment now, a quiet moment, to reflect personally on what God might be saying to us. And I really encourage you in this space of time, as we just sit quietly and listen to the music play, to open your heart to the Lord and to what He might have for you. Even now, let's take this moment to practice the discipline of listening to the Spirit and listen to what He might be saying about when and where we could start to intentionally learn the stories of Jesus and when and where we could intentionally take some time to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
Let's enter into that time now.